Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. Hey ladies, have you ever struggled with your words before? Have you ever just found yourself going, oops, I just said that. I didn't mean to. You know, in the Bible, Paul talks about why do I do what I don't want to do? And I tell you, more times than not, Sugbury is guilty of that. That is my name, Sugbury, and I'm the host of Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. And this topic is brought to you by several women who wanted to talk about this issue. And it is called, Did I Just Say That? Own Your Words. Now, I didn't coin that phrase. My wonderful pastor, Joel Johnson, from Westwood Church, has done a series on it. And I invited him to come here today and enlighten all of us about our words, what we should say, what we should not say. Joel, thank you for coming on. Yeah, the power of words is something we want to give attention to because the power of words heal or they can wound. So we're giving energy to managing conflict in God's way with God's words. He's given us a clear path to handle conflict in a way that brings healing and hope. So we want to learn that skill together. I am so glad you're here today. You know, this guy is a busy guy. I got to tell you, he's got a pile of women in his life, not only his sisters, his wife, his daughters, his granddaughters, but then also he is running a church, a fabulous church, Westwood Community Church. Come and check us out. We're in Excelsior. Um, go online and check it out, westwoodcc.org, and see when our service times are. You can listen to the past sh- uh, shows. It's a show, Joel. It, you know, the past messages that he's done, which really, you know why I love my church? is that I see behind the scenes. I've been there for over 20 years. I got to tell you, everything is bathed in prayer. The leadership is outstanding, our board of directors. And not only that, I trust my pastor immensely. So again, Joel, thank you for coming on. Yeah, it's a total privilege. Glad to be with you, Shug. So did I just say that? Own your words. I want you to listen to part one, ladies. In part one, we talked about a variety of things. We talked about the five Ds. We talked about um, what happens if you avoid things. How do you deal with conflict? And Joel tells us that conflict is good. He also tells us to walk through the front door. So listen to that show. I want you to catch up. He has seven, I call tools for our tool belt. Uh, He might call it something different, but he talked about two of them, sooner versus later. You got to listen to the show to get that or you versus them. Now, Matthew 18 has really struck my heart. And Joel, when you shared with that, would you talk a little bit about where we go from here with those seven items? Yeah, I speak all of these things with a conviction that Jesus tells us to be front door conflict managers, not side door where Mm -hmm. we're bringing everybody else into it, but front door, not back door where we're avoiding it completely. And Matthew 18 gets pretty specific around it, saying, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I would say he's pretty direct. Yeah, that's an ouch statement. Exactly. And so let's pick it up. The third principle to handling conflict is to is go versus avoid. In other words, he doesn't say fight or flight. Mm-hmm. It's where we tend to go. And he doesn't give the Minnesota nice escape clause where we tend yes. to 
mask everything and repress our feelings, but that eventually will come out in other ways. Passive aggressive yes. might be another word for yeah. Minnesotans. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, go. He doesn't say avoid. He says go. I'm going to add something here. And I, I, this is speaking to myself. I mean, this has been a learning journey for me mm-hmm. that sometimes people really wrong you. And you're waiting for them to come and say they're so sorry for what they said or did and they don't come. And you feel the weight of that. Mm-hmm. And I think this go is even if you feel like you're most wronged, that you take the initiative. And we're called the love our enemies. Where, mm-hmm. where does that kind of wisdom come from? Only God could give you the capacity to go and see people who are opposing you. And so we're called to make that happen. And I recall a situation about a dozen years ago where there was a number of things that happened. I felt deeply wronged in a situation. And... Um, about a dozen people departed my life, mm. and it was a painful, painful chapter. And uh, month after month, I waited. I thought, certainly they'll see the light. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with them? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they did come. And it, it was a, you know, I call about these GPs, God promptings. You get thousands of them. From the time you're a little boy or girl or grown mm. man and woman, you get these GPs, God promptings. And I got a prompting from the Lord to say, pick up the phone and call. And I did. Mm-hmm. We met together for about an hour. I was amazed in one hour's time what we were able to accomplish. Mm. Wow. And I realized that when we go before the Lord, he, he, he says, you know, take that, go the extra mile. And when we go, we go even when we feel like we're the ones who have been wronged. Mm-hmm. And God often will use that courage. And if you go in humility and the tone is right to create a new deal so that you can go to a grocery store and see that person in an aisle and not feel like you want to avoid them and go into another aisle. You can bump your carts. I've and go, seen people do that. Oh, they do that. I see that happen and feel that myself at times. Ladies, go, are you it? guilty of that? <laughs> Maybe get on your knees and confess. <laughs> the fourth principle is to handle conflict face to face. And that's just saying proximity is important, that your face truly matters. Your mm-hmm. eyes are the window to the soul. And when you can connect eyes with people, um, th- there's something that reveals intent, mm-hmm. authenticity, etc. So Jesus says, go and point out their fault. So when it comes to conflict, you have to ask yourself, have I looked them in the eyes? And especially today with the advance of social media, we resort to texting and emails and uh, social media to manage conflict. I hate and, texting. Oh, we, we escalate. You see the um, rise of anxiety and depression um, that happens because of things that get said in mm-hmm. anonymity or because we haven't gone face-to-face. We say things um, when we're face-to-face that feel different than when you go onto social media. Mm-hmm. You say you take too much liberty when you're on social media than you would ever do if you're face-to-face dealing with the conflict and the integrity of relationship is felt. And uh, so that's the wisdom of that one. Don't resort to texting or emails. Yeah, pick up a phone, call them, set an appointment, and sit down face-to-face. That's right. And you can still, ladies, sit down during COVID. Just keep a little space between you. Yeah, and and even picking up the phone. I love what you just said there. If it's to set up the appointment, terrific. Mm -hmm. Try not to manage the conflict over the phone because Mm -hmm. you lose the eyes. The eyes are half the battle of getting to the solution side of things. Mm-hmm. You find out if they genuinely care or not. You know, maybe that's why some people avoid, though, because they don't want the yeah. other person to see through their eyes yeah. at how irritated they are or how they feel about them. Yep, that's very true. You know, I have I have these little axioms in my journey, and one of them is an eye check. And I don't know if... 
This is, I, I'll share this. Have I heard that one I'm yet? I'm not sure if you have. I've probably preached on it before, but I do believe it. I know that I preached on it before. The eye check is simply a practice that I have with Carrie, my wife. And it's the belief that if there's um, distance or discouragement, mm-hmm. the eyes communicate it with no word spoken if you know the person. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a rule of thumb in our home that every day we try to connect with uh, two minutes of meaningful conversation every day, eye to eye. Two is kind of short, Joel. You think two is, but it's amazing. Are you just not talking and looking at each other? You like to get, you would be surprised. You ask people, um, do you engage with two minutes of meaningful conversation every day? Most people can go days without me. You can be in the same room. You can have glances with each other. But to have meaningful conversation is to engage your eyes differently. And your eyes tell a lot about your soul is everything right between us. Yeah. So Carrie and I will we'll have fun with each other over this. Let's do an eye check. We'll just look into each other's eyes yeah. and discern what's going on because we're together so much. You can tell. And we can speak to each other pretty honestly. But here's my point. If you are not doing eye checks, over time, that day can turn to three days, turn to two weeks. Mm. It will be um, a representation of the distance and the detachment in relationship before words are even spoken. Mm. So I check is a real simple practice to stay connected in relationship with those you care about. You know, ladies, it, you know, I love what he's saying there. And it breaks my heart to think that you can go days without connecting with your husband. I mean, Blair and I have always had this practice that at the end of every day, even with our kids when they were little, we would sit down at the end of the day and just connect. How was your day? What did you do? How's things yeah. going? And then you know, sometimes we don't even want to talk about stuff. We just want to talk about, let's dream a little bit. What do we want to do coming up? You know, because we like to RV. So we're talking about our next RV spot. But I do want to encourage you ladies to do that eye check, like Joel says, um, and to really use that axiom, you know, to, to look in the eyes and make sure everything is a okay. Now with my kids, I used to just look at their eyes and I go, we already know what you're thinking, mom. You don't even have to tell us. So I do think that there's something intimate about the eyes and, um, in, in connecting. Now, Joel, you do have another axiom that you had mentioned the other day. It says procrastination is the assassination of motivation. Yes. You think about that. Repeat that again. Yeah. Procrastination is the assassination of motivation. How does that apply here? So too much time without dealing with the reality of what's wrong here mm-hmm. will lead to the difficulty of even coming back to the table again. So that's why we want to keep coming back and uh, not procrastinate. Hey, whether that's homework, if you procrastinate from homework, it gets harder to do the homework. Any, you know, procrastination on any given subject, it makes it difficult to be motivated. So the key to motivation is to get on it and Mm -hmm. lean into it as much as possible. Wow. Okay. So, so far, ladies, we've got the first tool for your tool belt is to address it sooner versus later. And remember, conflict is good, ladies. Yeah. Um, the second is you versus them. We talked about that. We talked about Matthew 18, about if your brother or sister sins, go out and point out their fault just between the two of you. Um, the third item, a toolbox, is go versus avoid. And do you ladies know that go is mentioned over 1,500 times in the Bible? Mm. So I think we're supposed to pick up on that word. Yeah. Um, and then Jill had mentioned face-to-face, eye contact, go and, and, and look at each other, not social media if you got to make the appointment. Do what you can to get the love thing right, ladies. And that is coined from my pastor. Yeah. Everybody thinks that I coined it because I say it so much. But no, Good. Pastor Joel has uh, coined that. And I did ask you like 10 years ago if I could steal that. And you did say anything you can take, Shook. So I've used it for quite a while. Where do we go from the one-on-one? Uh, one? Yeah, that's the fifth biblical principle mm-hmm. is one-on-one is 
not to um, resort to handling conflict through other people. We want to handle it one-to-one, Jesus says. Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Mm -hmm. This is where we fail most because we bring our hurt into the realm of people who we know will be with us. Ladies, are you listening? (laughs) So it does not mean that you don't seek godly counsel. There's a psalm that speaks to the advocacy to speak, to seek out godly counsel. Mm-hmm. We need godly counsel. Sometimes conflict is so big, we aren't quite sure how to sort it out. But if you're seeking godly counsel, that speaks to motive. Mm-hmm. And you're not looking to bring five or ten people into this and build a bandwagon around yourself. You're looking to bring... Some people some find insight. comfort in numbers. Yeah, they do. But it tends to lead to greater sin mm-hmm. and separation. Mm-hmm. Um, but seek godly counsel. That's usually one, two, maybe it's three people. You don't need more than that, typically, if it's a godly person. They'll help you see the situation objectively. So there's a place for that. We just tend to bring our hurt and to spread that conflict by sharing it with others and bring them into our hurt so we feel like we're supported Mm -hmm. in it. But now we've just expressed um, the conflict in a way that becomes harder for the conflict to be resolved by the two people Mm -hmm. where it most exists. So we are called to go one-to-one and um, not resort to handling conflict with other people. So I got a question, and yeah. this was brought to me um, over the years. People ask this question all the time of me. In Matthew 18, um, 15 to 17, it talks about going one-on-one, which I think is so important, ladies. I tell you, you can yeah. just avoid a lot of conflict and, and heal the hearts when you do that. Um, and, you know, most of the time you will win them over. But if they won't listen, you take one or two others along. Who, you know, are, are, And then it talks about going to the church. So my, I've got two parts to this question. Yeah. The first part is, Joel— um, are you bringing them to Westwood? You're bringing them to your church building. Are you bringing them to your pastor? Which you know, when you have a huge church like we do, that's kind of challenging to do. Or are they lay people? And then the second part of that question, I'm going to allow you to take time to address this: is what if your beef is with the church and you don't want to burn any bridges in the meantime? How yep. would you advise us to handle that? Those are good questions. That last one is particularly sensitive. So I'm going to have you bring it back to me. Okay. Because really that gets into that seventh principle. Let me just touch briefly on the sixth principle, which mm-hmm. is direct versus indirect, which is simply speak simple, straightforward truth in love from Ephesians 4.15. Paul says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. That's the goal. That is, Christ is the head. We're not the head. Mm-mm. So already we have to figure out as the body of Christ, how do our parts work together? And if the finger is broken, the whole body hurts. Yeah. So we want to bring healing. The body naturally heals itself. God made it to be so, but we have mm-hmm. to let that function of the body work. And those of you that are listening who might not get what Joel just said is that when you say yes to Jesus, you really are a family and you're yes. the body of Christ. And I know that seems kind of bizarre to think about if you're new at this. But, you know, it, it talks about how each of us brings different things to the table with our spiritual gifts. And if part of that church or part of that body is hurting, the whole body hurts. Yeah. So go directly and speak specifically. Mm-hmm. And this is what's hard for us. It takes time to think specifically because we get so emotional. And so I have this picture of the funnel effect of conflict management. Usually the core of the conflict is doable. You know, it's doable. It's doable hard, not destructive hard. It's doable hard. But because we don't go directly, we we have peripheral issues that rise up. We create a funnel effect as a result of that. So we spend our 
best time on the surface issues mm-hmm. that never get resolved. We just, it's cyclical. Yeah. And we have this direction from Paul to get down to the core. What is that issue? State what the issue is. Don't make it about the 20 other things that have emerged because we didn't resolve it health, in a healthy way. What's the core issue? So follow that through really personal pronouns, especially using the personal pronoun I, because you makes people defensive. But when I put the personal pronoun I, connect a feeling word with it. Now I'm starting in a place of warmth, of sensitivity. It creates a, paints a broader landscape mm-hmm. to be able to enter into the conflict. Versus you always do this. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it gets very difficult when the statement becomes about you because it puts us on the defensive along the way. Now let me go to that seventh principle of handling conflict, which is restoration versus deterioration. And I believe the passage is really speaking metaphorically about landing the plane. So that's the picture I have is you're in a plane, you're circling over um, the the landing strip, you want to land, but there's storms, there's turbulence, they're saying we need to circle again, we need to Mm. circle again. And we've all been in that situation, or most of us have been, and you're just thinking to yourself, boy, I hope they land soon. But after about a half an hour, you're thinking, please, somebody just land the plane, and you'll put up with the turbulence, but let's land the plane. Let's get this done. And that's what I think Jesus is saying. The intent isn't simply to put the conflict on the table. Now we've just raised the issue. He wants resolve. Mm -hmm. And so we have to land the plane and find the resolve. And that's the direction. He's so committed to it that he gives some warnings. I mean, I think the matter is to be resolved and to be left behind. We don't want to become ledger people. So now we're looking at all the offenses of the past. Ledger people like like keeping a list in finances. Yep. Okay. Yeah, keep a list of all the wrongs. And then even when you've moved off of those, you bring them back. And you it's, know, women, some of you are really good at ticking them off. <laughs> and it just causes people <laughs> to be demotivated to step into it. I thought that issue was done. Now we're going to bring that one up again. Now I've got another conflict. No, be done with the past issues, move into the future. And the text says, if a person refuses to listen, take someone with you and try again. So we're to be patient. We're to stay at it. Try to hit that landing strip and and continue to bring it. But then as you raise here in verse 17, if they continue to refuse to listen, treat them as a pagan or a tax collector or bring bring that to the church and then eventually, you know, treat them like a pagan if you can't get to it. And the point of that is simply, if you got to go back a couple thousand years, that pagans and tax collectors were considered unsafe people. Mm -hmm. There are some people that are just unsafe Mm -hmm. and you have to guard your heart from unsafe people. And so the goal is to bring one or two with you. If that doesn't work, you bring it to the church. And if that doesn't work. What does that mean? Like physically bring them to the church. You have to step into that time because the church was the house church. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're bringing it into a group of people. So you've done one or two. Now you have a larger group of people who will give witness that you've got a blind spot here. And are these Christians you're bringing with you? This this is the church. So Mm -hmm. it's the gathered body of Christ. But it's not about, you know, you have to look at that in some sense, not a literal application in terms of um, our current churches and how we fit, but literal in terms of, um, believers in Christ who yes. are safe and trustworthy, small group, that kind of thing you're bringing it there. I mean, you can imagine if we were to bring it into a church like Westwood, mm-hmm. I mean, every hour of every day would be oh. filled with the, yeah. you mm-hmm. couldn't do it that way. No. But the point is you're bringing um, other people. It's like an intervention almost. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been part of an intervention, I've done a few of those and those are humbling, but well, you didn't get it with me. You didn't get it with one or two. 
There are other people who see it. And so I'm going to bring the others to help bring this truth to the table. And if you still don't see it, then you may have to dissolve that relationship mm-hmm. because the people are unsafe and we can't move toward that resolve. And Jesus is committed to helping us find the resolve. He gets the resolve for us if we mm-hmm. can bring humility to the table. Those are the seven practices. So, sooner versus later, you versus them, go versus avoid, face to face one-to-one, direct versus indirect, restoration versus deterioration. And then I think that introspective question is, which one of those do I struggle most with? And it may be all of them. Yeah. <laughs> We're always growing Different up. times. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think about that scripture that says to dust the, what, dust the dirt off your shoes and move on. Yeah. You know, that's sometimes yeah. what you have to do. Yeah. You know, I'm going to ask that tough question. Um, today with COVID and, and everything that's going on and uh, a lot of people have struggles with their church. You know, do we wear a mask? Don't wear a mask. You know, uh, is are they believing what we believe? Uh, you know, are they rising up and, and splitting apart? And my husband had belonged to a church way back uh, when he was in youth where they split, and it split the whole congregation. Yeah. So let me ask you this question, Joel, because it happens all the time. What is the best appropriate way to handle if your beef is with your church personally? Yeah. Uh, that's a sensitive question and an important one. Healthy churches have accountability structures, and there's a way to move forward. So, and that would be go directly to the source. I think the biblical pattern there mm-hmm. first go to the source. I think that's always healthier. I prefer people come directly to me than to go to everybody else first. I know. It always Actually, is a violation of trust. Yeah, it's a violation me. of trust. Just come through my front door. But yeah. I'm a front door guy, mm-hmm. and I think God calls us to be front door. But I think people are intimidated. Oh, that pastor's busy, and he's too. You know, he's got his, you know, hands in in. in balls so many air in the air i'm not saying that right so many balls in the air yeah i hate to bother them yeah. so then they don't come to uh, and i'm not talking about you specifically yeah but they might not go to their pastor they might yeah. end up telling everybody except oh, it, for it happens all the, the time the person themselves yeah, but i feel like that should be that pastor's decision to make not yours to make on yeah. behalf it's mm-hmm. like the invitation to come be with you yeah i've got a lot of things that i'm dealing with right now but let me say yes or no yeah versus you i'm say glad yes you said no. yes and it's the same with the church it's very hurtful the pastors are people too so when yeah. people have their issue and they start to build a guiding coalition and an alignment with their view without going directly to the source because mm-hmm. we tend to create narratives that may not even be true find out what's truly true yeah. and go through that front door. But there's a reason why there are boards to churches. I think healthy churches have boards. Not all churches choose to have boards, but I think part of that is the accountability um, of truth of the in the scriptures mm-hmm. of the pastor, but of the church and its ministry, its teaching. We have an accountability and we need each other for that accountability. And uh, so there's a way forward in a spirit of humility of healthy churches to say, we want to receive, we're all learners for life. Churches are learners as well. Mm-hmm. And can we always do things better? Absolutely we can, but let's step in into it and be solution uh, folks on that side of the problem, if at all possible. So. You know, as we wrap up, Joel, I'm so blessed that you took time to come here today. Um, what would be your words to someone who's thinking about leaving a church? I know that you said that um, you've been hurt in the past by people not saying goodbye. What are your thoughts oh, around that? That's interesting. That? Yeah, you raised that. I, I hadn't shared that yet on the radio, but I'll share that piece of it. I say, if I have any disillusionment in the role that I have as a pastor, um, it's what I call the revolving door syndrome of churches. People come and go. Now, there may be a reason for that. We have mm-hmm. a phrase at Westwood, bless them when they come, bless them when they go, because maybe it's their time to go, and greater growth will happen for them in another body. And that's an okay thing. We're all part of the kingdom of God today mm-hmm. and for eternity, so we can celebrate and bless other churches to that end. I always want to be a blesser. I want our people to be blessers. 
it's just a much more joyful life experience to be a blesser than a cursor of all things. But my point is sometimes when you leave, pastors feel like they have relationship and community and the integrity of that relationship is really important. So to leave and not say goodbye mm. is a courtesy that I fear is um, being missed right now. And uh, the heightened elevation of disagreement. We can disagree, but disagree agreeably. Mm -hmm. And if it's time to leave, at least communicate that if you have a relationship with your pastor Mm -hmm. and communicate your intent so that they can bless you at the very least. Well, thank you, Joel Johnson, Pastor Joel Johnson. I really appreciate it. You're with Westwood Community Church. Please find him at westwoodcc.org. Uh, Please donate to our church. I love our church as well as listen to any of the past messages that he has given. Uh, He's a wise man. And I know he's a prayerful man, and I have known him for a long time as well as his wife, Carrie. And so I am blessed to call you my pastor and call Westwood Community Church my home. Thank you so much for coming on. Ladies, if you haven't found a church home yet, would you come visit us in Minnesota? Otherwise, they're online. You can just click online now and listen to a message. Uh, There's an interactive forum there, and I really encourage you to get rooted in a church because Jesus Christ loved the church. My name is Shugbury, and I'm the host of Him for Her Radio Women's Hot Topics. Ladies, keep these ideas coming back to me, and I'm so thankful that we had an opportunity to talk about owning our words. Did I just say that? Over and out.